in almost every coaching scenario, every question is a variation of, will it work for me? You know, in a way, it's all different, but it's all the same. And you realize that really what people need is three things. People need clarity. People need structure. And because it's coaching, people need and want accountability. Welcome to another episode of Hype Fury Presents. In this episode, I talk to Oliver Canton. Oliver spent a nice chunk of his life in the corporate world making good money, but he had a niche and needed to scratch it. As soon as he landed his first agency client, he quit his job and burned his boats. In this episode, you'll learn how to position yourself to get better agency clients and build a reputation that will lend you more clients. We also talk about the perfect way to get people into coaching programs and having them completed as happy campers. My name is Unique, co-founder of Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. Cool. Okay. Thanks for being here, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm the kind of person that doesn't realize a podcast is on video and makes the host wait so I can fix my hair. <laughs> That's all people need to hear. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your backstory. About my backstory. Sure. I'm 36 years old today. And until I was about 31 or 32, I was in the corporate world doing sales and marketing. I always knew in the back of my head that there was something more, something better, something bigger. And I discovered online business. So let me actually take one step back. I always knew there was online business, obviously, but I thought that the only way to really make it was to have a tech startup or to get VC funding, right? And to create a piece of software. And I'm not a... Be the next Google. That's it. Exactly, right? So when I saw what some kids were doing with dropshipping, for example, when I discovered what direct response copywriting is, so I knew copywriting, I knew marketing for a very long time, but this different way to basically fulfill a desire or solve a problem online. And I got hooked and we can talk about all the different pieces there. Um, but yeah, today I run a number of online businesses in the information marketing space. And you know, the skills that I use would be primarily sales and copywriting, but also leadership and team building. The main thing I got from my corporate career, I don't do sales the same way anymore. I don't do marketing the same way, but hiring, recruiting, um, finding talent, developing talent. That's something that I've done a lot of in my past life that I've taken here. And in fact, I think it's one of the biggest gap that many people have. People think that you either do everything yourself or you hire someone in the Philippines for three bucks an hour. And people miss the middle part of building a team with talented people. doesn't mean people in the Philippines can be talented, but there's a difference between data entry type of staff and then you as a founder and then all the other roles that might be there. Yeah, interesting. And so you left a pretty well-paying corporate job as a, like a regional sales manager, if I recall. What was like the moment of inspiration where you said, I'm going to quit this stuff and I'm going to you know, do something else with my life? The very last job I had was national marketing manager. Just before that, I was a regional sales manager. Before that, I was a director of sales at a bigger company, at a smaller company, actually. I decided to make it work online. I started a local lead gen agency, so Facebook ads, primarily in building funnels. 
Uh, my niche was dental at that point. And my first retainer, as soon as I got the money in my account for my first retainer, I quit my job. How much was that? It was 3K. I think I may have said before 5K, but I actually think it was 3K. I did some work for free for that person. I found someone in my network who I could do it. I validated that it worked. As soon as I had a paying client, I said, let's go. And of course, that was not what I was making. I was making much more in corporate. But I said, let's go. Let's burn the boats. The reason why I did that is because I have a sales background, right? And if there's one job you can always get back, it's a sales job. If you're an HR specialist, I don't advise you burn the boats. But if you're a salesperson, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. And so 3K, you know, that, that wasn't a lot of money, but it was, I guess it was enough for you to say, hey, you probably already had a bit of savings, you know, okay, 3K, that'll get me, you know, maybe a month of runway at least. And then what did you do after? So I not only crushed it with that client, but I decided to invest in paid traffic to grow. So that for context, so that was a, yeah, and you know, a very conventional agency, local lead generation, a specific niche. So I was working with dentists. I had a specific sub niche in dental for a specific product in dental. So I was laser focused on getting a specific type of patient or client for that dentist. Once I nailed that down, I created a very solid lead magnet and I ran paid traffic to promote it. And I got a bunch of calls. I closed a bunch of other clients and I very quickly ramped up that agency to 30 to 40K per month. And then I got into other stuff that we can, we can get into, but I would say within maybe a hundred days, something like that, I ramped up very quickly because again, I, for context, right? If you're listening to this and you're 18 years old, I was... 33 years old or something like that. And, you know, I, I wasn't broke. So putting 10K in paid traffic for me, it wasn't a big deal. It was like, well, do I put this in Apple stock or do I believe in myself, right? Yeah. And so with an agency, there's always two sides to the story. You need clients and you need to get those clients' clients, at least. That's what your business was about. So you mentioned that you actually got like the dentist's in via the lead magnet and i guess how are you getting them the clients so yeah this was i mean worst case you cut this out because it's boring but so you know when you have a lead generation agency right so you have a mechanism to grow your client base you're really doing your lead genning for yourself and you're lead genning for your clients so much like in you as an agency you want to be very specific in who you want as a client you want clients who are very specific about what they want. So in my case, it was dentists that do ortho, that do a handful of procedures that started with only Invisalign, which is like the plastic braces replacement. And I got into a few other procedures. Now, if you're listening to this, almost nothing is saturated. Dental is not something I recommend, not because you would compete with me. I don't do that anymore. If you want to do it, do it. But it is one of the most challenging niches to make work, especially if you don't have money for paid traffic. If you think you will grow with cold email, you probably won't, honestly. But anyway, so I picked a customer avatar. So dentists with money, with a desire to make more money, with a budget to fulfill that desire, and with a specific service. So those ortho services that have a high ticket, so if a dentist paid me and I had different packages and, and whatnot, but let's say if a dentist pays me 3K or 4K and they close one case, they break even. And if they close two cases, they profit. 
So that's how it, it was relatively simple. And one line I actually got from another dental marketer. So I stole this idea from someone, which was a good idea. It's one of the angles was, let me make you supermarket famous. So I would work with people from relatively small town, like a small town in Pennsylvania, a small town in New Jersey, a small town in Texas, et cetera. And not that many are advertising correctly, right? So if you can craft a decent story with the dentist who's your client, and you can make it work pretty well. And my model was people paid me a retainer, so three or 4K, they would pay for the ad spend. And of course, the more ad spend, the better they'll do. So let's say the person ended up spending 10K a month, right? So some money for me, some money for ads. You can really dominate a local market for that. And again, because of the value of each transaction to ROI and to make money, it wasn't very difficult. The hardest part in this specific niche is to get the dentist on the phone. Getting the decision maker on the phone is extraordinarily difficult in this particular niche for a number of reasons. And one of the things I did, I found the biggest Facebook group, the most active. I befriended and helped the guy who runs the group, who's still a friend. His name is Paul Goodman, and he goes by Dr. Nacho. He's an awesome guy. And it sounds douchey, but I created a bunch of value in that group for free. Like I spent hundreds of hours in that group, creating value, helping people, even helping people in the most minute things, right? Like I live in a small town, people have dial up internet. Well, hey, here's a flyer company you can use. Here's the copy for your flyer, like doing everything to put myself in a position where if you wanted marketing, I was the guy. So that got me organic clients as well. So my cost of acquisition for my clients at first, it was all paid traffic, but then I got a bunch of organics. I went to in-person events. I sponsored some things. So, you know, very old school and new school playbooks together. So for, for dental specifically, does it mean that you need to do that? Maybe not, but there are things that don't need your keyboard for you to win necessarily, right? There's different tactics. And a lot of times old school tactics can work very well because no one wants to do them anymore. And so how did you get them leads? How was the story on that it was ads it was straight up facebook ads instagram ads so i my first client actually went in person to film creatives so i personally took my phone wrote scripts had a teleprompter got my dentist clients to do that and then once i had the formula then i used a lot of facebook live so other clients i would either interview them with my presence or not i would create content for ads by doing a live, I would print physical collateral like, hey, top three mistakes you're making, blah, 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 create fun, interactive things, run that for traffic and then retarget. And then I had funnels. I had pre-qualifying questions. I have paid for a dental prospects Uber to get to the dentist. I have facilitated financial lending for someone to get approved for a $30,000 dental transaction, for example. So I did anything I needed to do to make it work. And so you also interviewed like the patients and you had like a before and after thing or just... I did not personally interview patients, but I provided the mechanism, the scripts, the software, the tools for my clients to do that. Cool. I bet that works. If people see, oh, it looked like this before and it looked like that. Yes. Now in dental and with Facebook, you're not really allowed to do before and after. So there's some black hat stuff there that we're better off not recording, but the, really, you know, I think the lesson to all this is think of the entire customer journey. 
right? What has to be true for your clients to be happy to spend three, five, 10 K with you and with ads per month? What has to be true for them to be, for you to be the last expense they ever cut, right? The correct answer depends on each person, each niche, but that's the thinking you have to do behind it. Okay. And so you ramped up your, your agency pretty quickly to 30, 40 K. What happened then? What, you, you stopped, you know, ramping up. You already had a decent business. I guess it was also wasn't necessary, but. So this is where I really learned more and took the time to understand. So an agency that you do a service for people, that's a done for you, right? So I am performing a service for you. So that scales to a point. This is where I learned about done with you. So coaching and information products. And by learn, I mean really got it, right? So I had already written copy for a number of people in the information marketing space, PD Mangan being the the one that I've talked about openly. So he was already doing one-on-one consults, but he didn't have a coaching program. We We became friends. We were talking every week. So let's say we met in 2019. By early 2020, I had met him in person. I spent a week at his house. He and I brainstormed and figured out how can we take his business to the next level, right? And he has a lot to offer. He's an extraordinary person. He had worked with a few different people in the past, but they hadn't cracked. How do you predictably attract coaching clients? And one of the missing problems or one of the problems was that he was promoting one-off consults. He wasn't promoting an outcome. So what were you really going to get out of this, right? It became from an intellectual exercise to a transformational exercise. So we partnered to build this program and the dental stuff during COVID, as you can imagine, it wasn't very good, right? So a lot of places shut down. I had clients on pause. So I'm like, what am I going to do next? So I can save you all the details, but I basically, I partnered with PD. So at Mangan150 on Twitter to package a coaching program. And we launched that in February, 2020. I want to talk a little bit about the packaging because it's interesting what you say. It's from, hey, I'll give you an hour of my time, like a consultation call, which is, I don't know, 500 bucks to, I'm going to give you the outcome you want. Let's talk about how, like, what is the outcome and what process did you take to get there? The great thing with PD is that, first of all, his personal story is amazing. You know, I won't tell it for him, but you can find it on his, uh, on his Twitter and in his material. He already had books. He already had info products. He already had courses and he already had done consults, right? Consultations or one-on-one. So everything was there. It wasn't just put together, packaged. So my wife, actually, I was a big part of the success story here. So I had the big idea. PD was the expert. And my wife helped with the technical aspects of it. So, you know, I created the offer, meaning what do people really want to achieve? What obstacles do they face? What makes people not sustain the kind of transformation they need to lose body fat, to gain muscle? So, you know, did that. One of the things we did in the research stage is offer free coaching. So we did about 100 calls. So PD and I got on the call with about 100 people from his email list. So no agenda, just got on the call to get what questions they had and for PD to answer those questions. And the ones that needed the most help... You jotted them down? Yeah, of course. Of course, the ones that needed the most help, 
We offered a coaching offer a few months later. So I had notes. So, you know, a database of over a hundred calls, some of them took up and then that validated. So that was, we talked to a hundred people and I think we sold 16 or 17 spots for a coaching program. And that validated that we should be building the coaching program. So then taking all his knowledge, all his resources, plus a lot of new stuff because he hadn't come out with a new offer in about maybe two years. So all he had, plus a bunch of new stuff, the latest research, and package that into a combination of Zoom calls that you get one-on-one, of email support, of modules, of personalized workouts, meal plans, all that good stuff, and focused on absolutely crushing it for those first 16 or 17 people, get some great testimonials, and then do a full massive launch at a higher price. Cool. And so what were like some of the more interesting questions people asked? And in the end, what outcome were people looking for? You know, it's funny, right? In almost every coaching scenario, every question is a variation of, will it work for me? Right? It doesn't matter what I have a three-year-old daughter. I work 60 hours a week. I commute. Will it work for me? Right? Or I'm allergic to shellfish. So, you know, in a way it's all different, but it's all the same. And you realize that really what people need is three things. People need clarity. People need structure. And because it's coaching, people need and want accountability. Every coaching program delivers this. They may not be using these exact words, but you're giving people clear, simple information in sequence. Very important as well. Your structuring so the sequence of things so you're structuring their habit stack you're structuring the progress the incremental habits they put into their life and then the accountability so measuring progress fine-tuning as you move along further simplifying and those that do really well setting new more aggressive goals right so everything's a matter of giving clarity providing structure and having an environment where you have healthy accountability. What are some examples of the clarity giving, I guess? What were really like hooks for people to say, aha, yeah, okay, this is for me. Yeah, well, in health and fitness, right? There's a million diets. So, you know, keto, Whole30, paleo, veganism, obviously, Atkins, whatever, right? So it's about what are the universal principles, right? What are the things that work for everyone? And that also helps you figure out, are there people you can't or don't want to work with? So those of you who know Mangan, so he doesn't work with vegans, not because they're not good people, because it's just not a good fit. We do have some vegetarian clients in this program that can work. So I'm not going to just give the the full secret sauce there, if you don't mind, of the the coaching. But there is a, a specific model that takes people's real life their real starting point, their preferences, their constraints, and adapts that inside a model that PD has built and delivers a very personalized, actionable roadmap that covers food as a broad category, whether it's cooking at home, whether it's eating out, whether it's ordering in, and a methodology where the number one thing he does for people is help them manage hunger. So it's not about a number of calories. It's not about a number of meals or not even about a number of hours fasted or not fasted. It's 
how do we manage hunger, right? The problem is hunger. Whether it's emotional hunger or physiological hunger, people are overweight because they can't control their hunger, right? You can deconstruct that in 20 different ways. But once you solve for that one very core problem, everything else gets much easier. Yes, exercise matters. Yes, sleep matters. Supplements matter. A lot of other things matter. But if you don't control hunger, it doesn't matter if you take the best glycine, right? It doesn't matter if your best bench press lift is 5% higher, if you can't control that. So that was a, you know, like it's the most obvious thing in the world, but it's marketed a specific way with specific words, with a unique, you know, a USP. But really what we're doing is solving for hunger, creating a system to solve that, that's meant to last you for the rest of your life. And it does. How did you create structure in the program? That's a good question. My definition of a good information product is one where your customer feels they're stealing from you. Your offer and the fulfillment of your offer should be so good. And Hype Fury is a good example. However much I'm giving you guys per month, I feel like it is a no-brainer, right? So I am stealing from you because I'm getting more value. So how do you achieve that? Well, in information marketing, it's about having the right information sequenced in the most logical way and learning as you have. So now in this program, we've had hundreds of clients, right? Four, five, 600 clients that have been through this program now. And so you constantly iterate and refine. In our case, we can see which modules people watch twice. We can see which modules people skipped. So it might be renaming the module. It might be having shorter modules. It might be removing things that are conceptually very interesting, but not actionable and sequencing them in order. And I'll tell you a funny anecdote. Rarely, but sometimes this happens. Someone signs up, they need to lose 40 pounds and they'll tell PD after three weeks, PD, it's going great. I've seen all the modules. I bought an Apple watch. I slept eight hours last night, all that stuff. The only thing missing is I didn't start the meal plan yet. And as you can imagine, that is the single most important thing that people need to do. And I would say it might be because they are so focused on being a good student and following the curriculum, and maybe there's too much information in their specific case, that they're not taking the one action that will change your life, and it's to change your food. So I don't claim to be the absolute best perfect at structure. Actually, I'm about to hire an old colleague of mine who's an expert in adult education who was building training programs in one of the old jobs I had. So that's something that I think we do well in my offers, but we can do even better. And again, because I want people to get amazing outcomes, to feel like they're stealing from us, because one, I want them to be very happy, get their money's worth, give a good testimonial and refer other people, right? So it's worth investing in the fulfillment part. A lot of people, they just double down on the marketing and then the actual product that people have is not so good. I lost about 12 to 15 pounds in the last eight weeks. Wow, eight weeks? Yeah. And uh, so I did that with intermittent fasting. I go to the gym three times a week. I go swimming. I bike at least an hour a day. And, you know, I do some uh, other stuff. The funny story behind me starting this was that my kids starting to say to me hey daddy you got a big belly <laughs> that's actually the real reason i started and that's my accountability 
the the funny thing is yesterday my son was sitting on my lap and he still said it to me which meant i need to do more work <laughs> so that's okay so that's my way of and i like external accountability what's a good way to incorporate uh, accountability inside like an info product or like a coaching uh, thing well so you've partially answered so you know what is your why like why does it matter like okay you want to be 14 percent body fat you want to have this physique this level of energy why so children that's a really good reason right just being being a good role model for for children and demonstrating the kind of behaviors that will lead to good outcomes. Um, for some people, it is to be proactive, right? So PD is 66 years old. So as you can imagine, the customer avatar, the average is probably 45 years old. A lot of them now they're seeing their parents not do so well, right? Which is unfortunate. They want to help themselves so they can help others. So avoiding pain is a huge why, right? Pain might be diabetes. It might be heart disease. It might be mobility issues. So finding out the why and trying to find, if people give you 10 reasons, well, what is the number one reason, right? And what are you afraid of? And making them realize what will happen if you don't take action, right? You've paid money to be in this program. That's great. But I'm sorry to say the monetary transaction will not just solve your problem. Now you have skin in the game. So we do a lot of things. We use a lot of James Clear's atomic habits. So we do a habit contract. We find the why. We ask people what is their preferred accountability check-in schedule. So for some people, it's daily. For some people, it's weekly. Uh, for some people, they have literally like an Apple Watch, an Oura Ring, a Fitbit, MyFitnessPal, a spreadsheet. For some people, it's just directionally, I lost three pounds last week. And from there... Figuring out, well, what, you know, what time of day, what are their obstacles, what are their temptations or risk factors, and checking in with them at the opportune time. And also giving them tools that, so you were talking about fasting before, right? So most people have 21 meals a week and a snack. So let's say four meals, seven days, so 28. So you don't need 28 out of 28 to be perfect, right? If you were starting at zero out of 28, and you move to 10 or 12 or 14 out of 28, that's a huge win. And you want to eventually graduate to not 28 out of 28, but, you know, 20, 22, 23. So progress. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about like your Twitter journey, because you've been, yeah, your Twitter profile is from like 2008, mine's from 2009. You know, I, I know I just registered a while back and just, I really didn't know what Twitter was about. And I, like two years ago, I had 600 followers and I think... Well, you've had maybe around that ballpark as well a couple of years ago. Now you have a little bit more followers than that, a lot more followers than that. Tell us a little bit about what got you on Twitter again or what got you yeah. on Twitter and, and yeah, your path. Um, I don't really know. That's the real answer, but I'm going to try to give you something more interesting. So, so again, I'm 36 years old, right? So I remember when Twitter was invented. Right. So I remember when Facebook was invented. I remember when MySpace was invented. MySpace was before Facebook for you fine young people listening to the, the episode. So what I liked about Twitter originally, and again, not my own original idea, right? But just for, so Facebook, a lot of people are not on Facebook, but Facebook is your friends and family 
and their friends and family, right? That's your, so great. Before becoming an online entrepreneur, I was using Facebook like everyone else, right? So in college age, I met girls, blah, 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 whatever people did on Facebook. But it wasn't especially interesting, right? When Twitter came out, what was interesting is that you could get the raw, unfiltered thoughts from people from all over the world, curate your follow list, get not necessarily news, but interpretation and analysis of news and news, not just world events, but economics, tech, right? So I've always been interested in in tech and investing. So I got an account a long time ago. I don't know when the first time it was that I actually tweeted, but it was definitely years after having an account. And I wonder if I started tweeting before or after I got my first paying client. I'm pretty sure it was after, but I'm if someone wants to fact check me and say I'm wrong, that's fine. I'm not, uh... but it was around that time, right? So we're talking, let's say something like 14, 15, 16 months ago, something like that. I was in a few groups. One of them was Ryan Holmer's group. I think his, his at is Ryan Booth now. And I made friends with some guys in there. One of them became Rogue Wealth. So I saw my friend Rogue really crush it on Twitter. We would have private conversations, he and I, or we would have conversations with a few other people. And I would see him talk about the same stuff, right? And he was, you know, he still is anonymous. And he kept telling me, just why don't you get on Twitter? You're telling, you're telling me cool shit. You're doing cool shit. Why don't you just tweet it? And at some point I said, okay, why not? Like, what's the worst that can happen? The difference was he was anonymous. I wasn't. I almost said I should do an anonymous account, but I said, you know what? What's the worst that can happen, right? So I just started tweeting and I got serious is a funny word to use when we talk about Twitter, but let's say I got serious. I think it was April, 2020. It may have been May, right? April or, or, or May. And the one success ingredient I had that other people don't starting out is I already knew a bunch of people with big accounts. Like I knew them from outside Twitter, from Telegram groups, from other. So I had the good fortune of having three, four, five, six huge accounts telling people follow this guy. So that helps for sure, right? So that gets you some initial followers. And then, I mean, my, you know, anyone who knows me, my approach is overwhelm the algo. It's very simple. That is from Anthony Pompliano, that phrase. I was doing it before I knew he gave it a name, but that's the overwhelm the algo, right? Every social media platform, their one purpose is to have you be addicted to the platform so you can be an active user the most number of minutes per day so that they can tell the advertisers we have these users. That is the model of every platform. doesn't matter if it's TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So you need to, if you care about growing, and we can talk about having a team and Hype Fury and all that, but if you want to grow your account, you need to overfeed, overwhelm the algorithm, right? You need to just produce a lot of content. And guess what? If it's not good, you delete it. It's very simple. If you can reframe, rephrase the idea better in the future, you do it. One thing I've been doing this year, I have been plagiarizing from myself. I've been looking at my content from last year. I have evolved as a person over the last 12, 13, 14 months. So I've rewritten and polished old content as new tweets. And I have a shitload of old content. So when you start putting your ideas, your thoughts out there, 
you know, it's scary. You may get imposter syndrome. You might say, who am I to talk about this? But the truth is you are at the same stage as a bunch of people. You're ahead of certain people and you were inspired by certain people and it's a journey, right? There are 22 year olds that teach me stuff on Twitter every day. There are 50 year olds who learn from me. There are infinite permutations of what's going on. And so, you know, the one thing is produce a lot of content. Content dies quickly. So put out a lot of content. And then if you want to talk about Hype Fury itself and tools you can use, then of course, yes, I do believe that works. And I have not been paid to say that. It does work. It's a good tool. There was a point in time where you were like, well, my growth is good. I'm going to start, create my own course. There were already like a lot of Twitter growth courses, but you still decided to create your own. Why do you do that? And how did you, you know, structure everything? Because it was like a huge thing to, you know, launch. Yeah, I think one of the reasons is because I knew there was a lot of appetite for that kind of product, right? So when there's a lot of something on the market and you have some sense that people are buying it, well, you can cry and say it's saturated or you can say, wow, it's validated. So it was obviously validated. I bought Life Matt Money's product. I bought Ed Lattimore's products. And at least one more, I think I'm forgetting. But those two, for sure, I got something out of. And my own experience was quite different than their experience. And I'm a copywriter. Neither of those guys are copywriters, or at least not in the conventional sense. So I thought, well, at first I was going to do a 20-minute Twitter copywriting video. And I tweeted about this too. And then I kept having more ideas and more ideas. So I said, well, why not package them in a nice way? And then, you know, you start something, you say, well, I'm going to put my name on it. Why not make it really good? And then people would give me ideas. Why don't you talk about this? A few friends said, hey, uh, do you need help? And I said, yeah, why not? So, you know, Jose was one, Joey is one, Joshua Lysek is one. Uh, I'm going to forget others and they're going to be mad at me. It's okay. So I ended up, yeah, creating this group of all-stars and, you know, giving the market what it wanted and what it needed. I have talked previously about some that I feel, some products or offers that I feel are not very good, either the quality or the person's ethics. So I don't think we need to go into a lot of depth there, but people who talk about doing something and have a product that talks about doing something, that talks about doing something, that have experience doing nothing else. I don't have a lot of respect for those people. Let's just say that. <laughs> I read it. So what was really interesting about like the path you took on like the course building was you had a big launch. A lot of people jumped in, but the price was $0. Why did you do that? The most honest and arrogant answer is I didn't need the money. I'm sure I could have made 50, 100K, 200K from that course. I didn't need it. I wanted to position myself as bigger than the 29 year old or $29 course. And my business model is I either do amazing free stuff or amazing premium stuff. I don't do the middle for positioning reasons. You'll never see me put my name on a 20, 30, 40, 50, dollars offer. Never. I will never do that. The experience was positive. I would do it a bit differently. I would charge $1 if I was to redo it just because people having just a little bit of skin in the game I think would be better. And I actually would have fewer modules in the course. I would have made it more condensed 
and maybe I'll fix it up at some point, but there, you know, it should be like the best info, right? Okay. Well, you've done this part. You should be here now, right? Like if you haven't done these actions, if you haven't achieved these outcomes, don't keep consuming more content, get to this level, right? Like if it's an agency course, it's like, well, have you warmed up your domain for cold email? No. Well, go do that now, right? I don't care about your logo. Go warm up your domain for your cold email. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, you sold as in a lot of people like bought into your course and then you vanished. I vanished. So I decided that hibernation wasn't just for bears and it was very cold in Canada. And for a number of reasons, one of them was personal marriage preservation one of them was to double down, triple down on the other offers I was working on. And because basically I'm very extreme as a person. If I do something, I do it to the extreme. So I would rather be on and be fully on and be super committed or not do it. So I was in a place for a number of days or number of months where I wasn't 100% committed. So I became 0% committed. That's why. So you could be more committed on other projects. That's it. Things in your life. Yeah. Cool. What happened to your account in the interim? Well, I happened to have this little piece of software called Hype Fury. And it turned out that that surprised me, actually. So I had the good fortune of having, again, thousands of tweets. So in your beautiful software, you can mark certain tweets as evergreen and you can have a retweet schedule. And I have, I don't know how many tweets, if it's 600 or a thousand or, but a lot. So I simply clicked a bunch of evergreen stars next to tweets. I created a schedule to tweet, I don't know how many a day. And turns out my account was still growing. So I was losing some followers because I wasn't tweeting out anything net new, but new people were discovering my account and my content. And on the net, I would have to go look at numbers, but I was maybe 20, 30, 40 followers per day on average by being... And what made you decide to come back? My friends harassing me is probably the right answer. Certain people like Rogue Welt, like Frazzle Dazzle, like PSP French, and they were lying to me. They were saying, oh, everyone's telling you, everyone's saying you should come back. And I'm sure no one was saying I should come back, but they were plagued with my ego. They was like, Oliver, everyone's saying you should come back. Everyone misses you. And they did that for weeks and weeks. And at some point I said, fine. Okay. Cool. How's it to be back? It's fun. It's very distracting because of my, my personality, as I've, as I've mentioned, but it's, it's fun. Yeah. You know, people, some people tell me, oh, it's very different. I don't think it's very different. People fixate on one thing, right? So agencies were the hot thing at one. So like drop shipping was the hot thing a while ago. Agencies were the hot thing. Now it seems to be SaaS, so software, but it's still the same thing, right? It's people focus on one thing and it doesn't mean that thing is good or bad. It just means people can't focus on more than one thing. People love to chase a shiny object instead of focusing on one thing. So there are guys and girls who unfortunately are probably 90% close to signing their first agency client, but then they're going to say, oh, no, 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 now I need to do a SaaS. And there are people that will start their SaaS and then whatever the next new thing is, they'll, oh, my MR is 50 bucks a month, but now I need to switch to this. So this is the danger, right? It becomes a, an echo chamber and it makes you think like your choice is not the hot new choice. Therefore, it's the wrong choice. And of course, that's not true. Bad incentive. What are your plans now? Now you're back. Stop jeweling 
and spending the nation, the GDP of a small nation every day on Jewel Plot. That's one plan. What can I talk about? So I have a few things that I'm doing now. So I no longer run. It's been a while already. It's been, I don't do any local lead gen. It's been, uh, it's been quite a while. So I'm still very much involved with PD. I have a new-ish agency where what I did for PD, my team and I do for other experts. So I'm working with about 10 other clients at the moment that have either a coaching program or an info product or a combination. So that's what I'm most passionate about and interested in. I've had the pleasure of landing into a great team and now building a great team. It is very, very fun, very rewarding. So that's my new Twitter bio. That's what I'm talking about. It's this new project where now we're four other people in me. So five people doing this for our, our clients. And how do you get those clients? So the good thing is right now it's all reputation and it's mostly people coming to us. Or, you know, like you may have even seen me on the timeline asking someone, hey, when are we creating a coaching program for you? Right? So either very, very gentle, hey, are you interested? Or people in my DMs or one of my partner's DMs to make that happen. At some point, I'm sure we'll have something more formal, but I think for this year, there's really no need. We have plenty of, uh, of leads and already existing clients to, to work on. So it's, uh, yeah, that's it. I have a couple of other things that I can't quite reveal yet, but they will have to do with becoming a better marketer, becoming a better salesperson, and becoming a, a better, more fulfilled person. Nice. And so let's say I'm a new guy on Twitter. I know a little bit of copywriting. How would you go about that? How would you, you know, get to an account which has like, I don't know, 20,000 followers in a couple of months? Well, I would probably manage your expectations unless you're running ads or paying for shout outs or whatnot. You're probably not going to be at 20,000 in a couple of months. I think, and you probably have more numbers than I do at this point, so you have data, but you know, if you can get yourself in a position where you're getting about a hundred followers per day, that's pretty solid, right? I would say that's, so how does that happen? Well, so I guess if we had to build models, right? So maybe you're learning in public, maybe you're entertaining in public, or maybe you're teaching in public. And of course those, you know, they intersect, but I would say those are in our Twitter world, right, those are the three main things. So you're, you're learning, you're teaching, and you're entertaining. I like to think that I'm doing all three. I don't know if the, the market agrees, but that's what I think. And so if you're, I mean, a great, let's talk about Don Vesh, right? So he, his ad was the Vesh before now. It's Don Vesh at D-O-N-V-E-S-H. So a great example of someone who went from learning in public to teaching in public, right? So... If you go and study, I don't think he's deleted most or any of his old tweets. If you go and model, not exactly what he's saying, but the evolution of his message, he recognized and partnered with people with more experience. And I was very pleased to play a very small part in his journey. And so that's it, right? Like, where are you now? I don't know where you are in this hypothetical example, but I think you are in one of those three categories, learning in public teaching in public or entertaining. And Lawrence King tweeted something once where it was, you know, you should talk about three or four different topics and have fun. 
So if you really tweet only rant, like when you have a bigger account, then you can tweet about water if you want. But when you're just starting out, you probably don't want to tweet about Jeff Bezos drinking water. That's not going to help you. So, you know, what are the things that you're interested in talking about? And what are the things that can help other people do better? So, you know, your interpretation of a concept has value because you can say, well, you know, I've been studying copywriting for three months. Here's how I did it. And here is my take as a 20 year old in 2021. There's a lot of lessons from old books, but the world has changed, right? How do these principles apply to the world today? And really people on Twitter love to talk about Twitter. So if you can connect non-Twitter stuff to Twitter on Twitter and talk about Twitter, well, it's super meta, but people love that. Cool. All right, Oliver, where can people find you, man? This was a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate you waiting for me to uh, fix up my hair. It's very nice. I hope that your abs are going to come in very nicely in the near future. I'm sure you'll drop my uh, my handle in the show notes. So that's the best. Uh, definitely on Twitter. I have uh, an email list as well. I send two emails a week. If you want to get even more of me other than 600 tweets a day, you can do that. Cool, man. Thanks, Oliver. Dude, my pleasure, Yannick. It was, it was fun. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next show. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave an iTunes review and give us a shout out on Twitter, sharing your favorite part of this episode. See you again next week.